with Houston in particular, recreation opens the door for practicality, you know, commuting and whatnot. And we saw a lot of success with our bike share program because of recreation first. And then there was a shift as things were more cohesive with alignment to the Metro Rail, the Metro Bus, the trails, points of interest. We saw a shift in more trips that were commuter-based, short trips. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Active Towns podcast, conversations about creating a culture of activity. My name is John Simmerman. I'm the founder of the Active Towns Initiative, and I'm honored to serve as your host each week on this podcast journey. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's always wonderful to have you along for the ride. Today is Friday, August 13th, 2021, and I promise this won't be a scary episode. In fact, I think you'll agree it's going to be a whole lot of fun as I'm chatting with Doogie Roo, a micro-mobility consultant, bicycle advocate, and brand ambassador based out of Houston, Texas. We discuss a couple of very exciting initiatives he's involved with that are getting more people on bikes more often and helping them to have more fun in the process. Now, for those of you who've already listened to my episode with Jason Slaughter of Not Just Bikes, you'll recall that Houston played a not so flattering role in Jason's journey to becoming interested in all matters of urbanism, land use planning, and safe mobility, especially walking and biking. But that's precisely why I love the positive stories coming out of Houston. Sometimes it's those places that have the farthest to go that are out there trying the hardest to make good changes happen. In fact, it was one year ago this week that I posted episode number 38 featuring a conversation with Harris County Commissioner Rodney Ellis and Precinct 1 Bike Program Director Fernando Martinez about the big steps the county and the city have been taking to make riding, especially via bike share, safer and more inviting. Again, yes, Houston, like most North American cities and many other cities around the globe, have a long, long way to go before they are truly a safe and inviting all ages and abilities environment. And that's precisely the point. They and passionate advocates like Doogie Roo are rolling up their sleeves and doing the work to make it happen. But before we roll into those discussions with Doogie, please allow me a brief moment to mention that this episode is being brought to you by the generous contributions of our donors, sponsors, and monthly patrons on our Patreon page. And if you too would be willing to support my efforts to promote a culture of activity, these are the top three things that you can do now to help me out. The first is by making a donation or becoming a Patreon supporter. To do so, just head over to my website at activetowns.org and simply navigate to the donation page. The second is by spreading the word about Active Towns and this podcast within your personal and professional networks. And the third is to subscribe to, follow, rate, and review the Active Towns podcast on your preferred listening platform, as this helps to connect others to this content. Oh, and one last thing, don't forget to check out and subscribe to the Active Towns YouTube channel as I'm now posting a bunch of new content out there. And in fact, this week's new video is a profile of some of Boulder, Colorado's brand new infrastructure that I discovered during my June visit. Okay, that's it. The big three in helping me out. Donate, spread the word, and subscribe. Thank you all so much for tuning in and for whatever support you're able to provide as I strive to grow this movement to create a culture of activity. 
Okay, time to get this conversation with Doogie Roo rolling. Doogie, thank you so much for joining me on the Active Towns podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm grateful to be here. So, hey, to get us started, can you just give me a little bit of background about your, you know, history and how you came to be so passionate about uh, bikes and doing the work that you're doing? All right. I'll try to make this quick and not consume too much time. I'm originally from Louisiana, uh, rural Louisiana, a small town called Cheneyville. And I grew up just being a big fan of anything with wheels or a motor. Uh, being in rural Louisiana, you know, we didn't have much access to multimodal micromobility, but I grew up coming to Houston a lot in the summertime to visit family and friends and just, you know, hang out and stuff. From there, uh, after high school, I really blossomed in college and got exposed to so much more. Uh, spent some time in D.C. And after that, I ended up coming to Houston for an engineering job. And I was based in Houston, but I wasn't really living in Houston. Similar deal from there. Things just blossomed as I traveled and went about. And I picked up competitive cycling. I said I'd never race, but I ended up doing it. I wasn't a fan of the tight stuff, but yeah, it, the tight stuff won. And I started doing some races on the velodrome and then later Criterium Cyclocross XC. And over time, I just really shifted and I left the engineering and automation space to do some freelance work and race bikes more. And then I also said that I'd never do advocacy work. There's a theme here. <laughs> I ended up doing advocacy work and uh, I was working closely with Bike Houston and then later Houston Bike Share, the operator of uh, Houston B-Cycle. And from there, I just really found purpose in getting as many people as possible on bicycles. And fast forward to uh, 2020, you know, I just really had time to think and dwell on some things and that purpose. And I wanted to expand beyond just bike share when it came to micro mobility and just to get more options for everyone. So from there, I took a leap and I became a micro mobility consultant. Uh, I think one of the first, one of the few. <laughs> and that's what I'm doing now. Along with that, I'm also a photographer, a writer, still doing some cycling, not as much competitive, but still doing cycling. I even have some time to do some art and run a little bit. So that's kind of where I'm at now. Fantastic. So it sounds like really, you know, the joy of the bike and, and you know, uh, that that racing sort of got you connected with the bike and then it opened up some possibilities for a career path for, you know, for you. Definitely. And I had no idea coming into it. You know, I was doing engineering and automation work and I was racing bikes a little bit here and there. But I think it was just the access to, first and foremost, the health and wellness, you know, mental and physical that I experienced on a bicycle. I love to share. And after a while, I wanted more people to experience that. And so it all just blossomed from there. Yeah, fantastic. And you were with Bike Share for, for quite a few years. Isn't that correct? Yeah, about six years. And you were on the operations side, right? Correct. I was on the operations side. My role changed numerous times, especially in the first three or four years, but it kind of solidified later on to director of operations. And when it comes to that, you know, operations and marketing were pretty intertwined in our bike share program, especially. I think it was the case for a lot, but ours especially because, you know, Houston was and still is growing, shifting, changing, and we were trying to keep up with that. Yeah. 
And you know, Houston's also one of the you know North American cities that's probably most challenged from the sense that it is an incredibly large, sprawling <laughs> area. And you know, you and I are going to talk a lot about uh, this this e-bike um, travel guide that you helped put together, and and really about the power of the e-bike. And I think that that's one of the most amazing things is that shift that took place of the integration of the e-bike within the fleet of, of bike share. Talk a little bit about that. Sure. So, you know, when it comes to Houston, a lot of people don't realize it, but we have elevation in a few forms. You know, you think about Houston, you think about all the food that we have and how hot it is, but we also have elevation and it comes in two forms. It's our bridges and the banks of our bayous. So when it comes to e-bikes, one of the ways that, you know, value is brought or they're uh, accommodating us is there's a wide range of skill sets and abilities in our diverse population. And e-bikes allow us to accommodate that. And with bike share, especially at some of our more popular stations in and around the banks of the bayous, people would ride the bikes extensively, but they were challenged by the landscape. And so e-bikes would definitely help facilitate and give them a little bit of boost so they can go further and enjoy their rides safely and comfortably. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes sense too. When you think of it, it's, it, you know, especially on those bayou paths is once you get up to them, then they're going to be pretty flat, but, yeah. uh, you know, getting up those steep grades and, and, you know, being able to, you know, make it over some of the, the other challenging, uh, environments that you have out there. Like you said, some of the, the flyover bridges and, and things of that nature. And again, getting back to the fact that such a Houston is such a sprawling uh, area, the distances just are that much longer than, you know, say jumping on a city bike in, in New York and Manhattan and, and you're, you know, going a relatively short distance, you know, relatively speaking. And you did mention the heat just a little bit. So having that electric assist <laughs> certainly helps out in that environment too. Definitely. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about uh, that e-bike travel guide and how did all that come about? Well, first and foremost, like I said earlier, I, I like to share. And when it comes to Houston, I thought it was the last place I'd ever live. I grew up coming here, like I said earlier. But when I traveled for work initially for those four years or so, it was international travel. So I saw so much. And when I shifted, I came back to Houston and I thought I can live here because a lot of what I saw as I traveled is here. And it reminds me of home in Louisiana. And it has this really eclectic international vibe, but it's also Southern. And from all that, the opportunity came about to create some genuine content for Bosch. And somehow we just thought of, hey, why not do a travel guide? And I said, that's perfect because people are always asking me, you know, hey, where should I go? Where should I ride my bike? What's something I should see? And this travel guide, it just was an opportunity to encapsulate all that from routes to restaurants and murals and museums. It's all there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you, you just mentioned Bosch there. Uh, for some of our listeners who may not be familiar with that name, uh, just a real quick overview of, of who that is. Sure. So their their uh, slogan is invented for life. And, you know, they make all sorts of things. But relevant to our conversation here, they manufacture the drive units that you find in most e-bikes for various brands such as uh, Trek, and those uh, drive units allow, you know, anyone to get on a bike and pedal pretty fast with a little bit of assistance, a boost, much like I would be able to as an able-bodied human being. 
Right, right. And, uh, and of course, that is the drive unit that is as part of the electric assist uh, system for uh, the bike share bikes there in Houston. Correct. Yeah, so that's that that relevance there, and you know one of the great things about uh, this travel guide and uh, some of the things that you pulled together with this is the fact that Houston is one of the cities that uh, you know that Bosch is like profiling, and so this is a big deal. Oh yeah, it certainly is, and you know along with the travel guide, some of its contents and other efforts. There's so much that's happening, and it's awesome to have Bosch behind it. Um, like I said earlier, I'm a, I'm a brand ambassador for Bosch, and it wasn't one of those things where I wanted to be, you know, with all due respect to the rest of them, your typical influencer who takes nice photos and, you know, have a nice smile. So we'll put that into the mix. But I, I said, really, we have opportunities and needs as far as the city goes, and we need resources behind it. And Bosch was ready and willing to support that. Yeah. And again, getting back to the fact that those distances are, are what they are and those challenges and in, including the heat is, is what it is. It's, you know, that electric assist is just so incredibly powerful. When you think about your history with, you know, the bike share and uh, as a brand ambassador with Bosch, what are some of the success stories that bubble up? You know, what are some of those like, you know, sort of emotional moments that where you're like, ah, this is why I'm passionate about this. Right away, I think about people's first time on an e-bike and we, we have opportunities to what I refer to as genuinely engage or genuine engagement. And, and people get on e-bikes for the first time and their reaction, it's, you know, a ah, well, wow. They feel the boost and they immediately realize that, hey, I can pedal this on my own. I could do this, but there's something that helps me go further. And that that moment is really significant for me because people light up, they smile, they laugh. And there's just, you know, there's joy in that moment. And then also, you know, when we look at data and numbers and whatnot from the bike share standpoint, with the e-bikes, we saw right away that they were ridden at least twice as much. So we had data to show that people saw these as something that helped accommodate, perpetuate them enjoying their time and exercise and commuting and went out on a bike and they were ready to get after it. And I think that's that's a very, very good point that you just made there is the fact that they are having such a good time. They're going longer. That influences the economics of these bike share operations. And many of these bike share operations are nonprofits that are you know, trying to do this. So if they can if those economics are such because the longer the ride is, the, the, the greater the likelihood that more revenue is being collected, which helps make that system that much more sustainable. Definitely. And like I said earlier with Bosch, you know, that's an opportunity to invest back into the communities and perpetuate that success or, uh, you know, address those needs and look at opportunities to just keep things going and address issues and challenges. So in, in pulling your, your guide together, what was a couple of the most surprising things that uh, bubbled up? I think it was just what people didn't know about, you know, for that with Houston is so amazing and I always feel like it's it's my my purpose to tell people how awesome and show people how awesome Houston is because they don't it doesn't necessarily register with them all that Houston encompasses and what it has to offer as far as again culture art music entertainment restaurants and all that there's so much that people just don't know about again 
and moments where people found something within that guy and they said, hey, I never knew about that. I never saw that. I didn't know it existed. Again, there was joy in that moment and they wanted to just get out and go see it or experience it for themselves on a bike. Was there uh, anything that sort of uh, popped up on your radar screen for the travel guide that was new for you? Something that you hadn't noticed or known before? Uh, For me, I think it was just more knowledge of the trail system. I made a conscious effort a few years ago to to better understand that network. Because I think when I was with Houston Bike Share, there was also an effort in which I wanted to ensure that the bike share network was cohesive with existing transportation networks such as the Metro Rail, the Metro Bus, and also the Bayou Greenways or the trail system. So over time, I got familiar with those, but they're always, you know, adding to them, expanding them and whatnot. And in my research and the effort of putting the guy together, I saw some connections I didn't know about. I, you know, discovered some new trails and whatnot. And it was really good because as someone who is a self-proclaimed subject matter expert in that area, I learned something and I experienced something as well that was new to me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm looking at some of the facts on here. It's like 160 miles and counting of the Bayou, Bayou Greenways, trails and bike lanes and shared routes that are out there. So, again, Houston is incredibly car centric as as a city as a whole, and it's a massive, massive size. So it's it's not like you know, this is Amsterdam or anything like that. I mean, we're, 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 we're talking about a, a very, very challenging environment in many ways. And, you know, you're a former racer. I'm a very competent uh, cyclist and former racer myself. You know, that's, I mean, this is, you know, we're, we're fine. We're confident and, and competent on a bike and, and getting out there and mixing it up. We're not talking about that. I mean, when we're talking about people on bike share and getting that electric assist, this is for the every person. Uh, talk a little bit about that in terms of, of how this is changing the game for them. Right away, I'll say it's, it's leveling the playing field. You know, I've led some rides and been on some outings and you know, it's it's social, it's chill and relaxed, but you always have a few people who kind of like to go off the front or also you have people who are at the back and they may be struggling a little bit. The e-bike the drive unit from Bosch, that really helps keep everyone together and level the playing field. So that's great for, again, allowing people to experience things collectively, cohesively, and people aren't feeling like they're left behind. Yeah. So one of the things that you're, you're now doing is from a micro mobility consultant perspective is I'm assuming helping other locations, other cities, other populations uh, deal with that. What are some of the, the things that you're, you're offering and, and you bring to the table, you know, in terms of supporting other places that want to get into uh, getting micro mobility right? I think right away in, you know, the landscape is dynamic and it's always shifting. So my offerings have to keep up with that. But on a high level, I can say right away that I look for cohesion, sustainability and accessibility and doing things right. Not just, you know, as far as implementing infrastructure or bringing programs, but understanding also what the community needs, listening to them and being respectful and honoring that and also looking at what's going to last, what's good for the environment. What can we maintain that's responsible? Um, I'll look at plans and whatnot and really just comb through them and give recommendations a lot of times. Or I can work with 
focused efforts and be a part of a team. I love collaborative work, especially. Um, it really blossomed from just being on teams all my life, but also my engineering and operations background. So I'm always happy to to do that and make those offerings. Right. In terms of cohesiveness and sustainability and accessibility, let's drive in on a, on the accessibility side a little bit, because uh, one of the biggest uh, criticisms of many micromobility and bike share systems is that they're not truly accessible to all different diverse populations. Talk a little bit about that. Well, a, a humble brag, I was quoted by Transportation Alternatives during a panel discussion. And what I said was there needs to be less marketing and more outreach. And along with that, education, empowerment, resources. I think that's something that still, you know, despite all that happened in 2020, a lot of entities are still missing. You know, when we look at things that are accessible and respectful to communities and accessible by all, we have to make sure that we aren't just checking a box on Instagram or making a post with an individual who we think makes things diverse, but we have to actively get out and do outreach make sure that we're educating people, providing resources and empowering them to really make an impact. Yeah. It also makes me think a little bit about, you know, the challenges that we uh, run into, especially in, in, in our Texas cities here. You know, I'm up here in Austin and you're down there in Houston. And again, they're, they're very car centric places. And sometimes we do a disservice by, you know, say, just simply moving bike share stations out into uh, neighborhoods that, you know, are certainly at risk and, and in need of mobility options. But at the same time, our infrastructure it has not yet caught up to being able to create safe places to ride. What are some of the, the you know, observations that you've had, you know, after, you know, being in this environment for so many years? What are what are some of the perspectives that you have uh, addressing that challenge? Well, right away, it's it's hard to sometimes just navigate or go about, you know, a, a nice walk or an evening on the town without just, I don't want to say judging, but analyzing <laughs> the layout of certain uh, bits of infrastructure or placement of micromobility options. And, you know, you see these things and you go, why is it there? Or, you know, who did they listen to? Who told them that they needed it there? And I think there's there's always opportunities to you know, do more or expand, but you only get, you know, one chance to make the first impression or do it right. Because a lot of times it ends up just being wrong for so long or they 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 have to do it twice or, or more. And, and that's kind of what I see. And again, I, I don't like to say that I judge, but I'm also analyzed because, you know, there's that saying where you can't please everyone. But I think it's ideal when we all have options and infrastructure that supports that. Uh, I'm a great example of that. And I think it's a privilege of mine. If you look at my garage, you'll see I believe in options <laughs> and I want that for everyone. But, you know, that has to be uh, the intention or effort behind the infrastructure that's in place. And, you know, unfortunately, there's a there's a lot of work to be done in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say are some of the biggest barriers of getting more people on bikes more often? Right away, I think it's just the cost of a lot of the equipment and whatnot. You know, when we look at bike share, first and foremost, when it comes to the mission, you know, we want to make sure that mission isn't too tied to the financials and that there's systems in place and funding in place to offset the cost of maintaining that mission. So when we look at programming and costs and accessibility, we, we keep in mind that, you know, 
we do have to maintain and operate a program, but also we're thinking about those who may have that challenge or that barrier. Yeah. I, I think that's one of the biggest ones. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, you know, quite honestly. And then when you think about, you know, getting back to um, how we saw micromobility really explode into the environment a few years ago and the the fact that there was a very low barrier to entry, a very low opportunity cost in the sense that, you know, hey, a buck to get started. And, and then it's like, oh, this is a kick in the pants. This is fun. And then that brings us right back around to the electric assist bike and the Bosch systems, because, you know, when you have a high quality uh, system, electric assist on a bike, it's like suddenly it, it is that much more fun. And so the, and then, and then you're like, well, hey, this is something I can afford you know, for most cases and, and for it, like you say, in certain systems, uh, the bike share systems may have programs and opportunities to be able to offset the cost for, for individuals where cost is a barrier uh, on an ongoing basis. But it it's a super, super low barrier to entry of being able to at least check it out and see what it's like and have some fun on it. So it, that's got, that's got to be one of the biggest uh, uh I think changes that uh, has taken place. It's positive from a bike share perspective. Is that electrification of the of the fleet? Yeah, definitely. And and in addition to the cost, you know, it's accessibility. Accessibility and cost they do kind of go hand in hand. But it's also you know placement of the infrastructure itself, as we mentioned earlier, and also those micro mobility options. You know, is there a station near the bus stop? Is that station connected to another? that's near a point of interest, a workplace, a grocery store. And with Houston in particular, recreation opens the door for practicality, you know, commuting and whatnot. And we saw a lot of success with our bike share program because of recreation first. And then there was a shift as things were more cohesive with alignment to the metro rail, the metro bus, the trails, points of interest. We saw a shift in more trips that were commuter-based, short trips. And when we come back to the accessibility portion, if in those other neighborhoods that were seemingly forgotten about, we take that approach and make that effort, then we work to remove that barrier. Yeah. So what are the things that has you most excited about right now that you're working on? Right away, I'll say it's the Bike Through H-Town effort, or it really was a mural that blossomed into an effort. Bosch was, again, instrumental in supporting I guess I could say one of my ideas, you know, I don't want to take all the credit for it, but, you know, Houston has a unique way of sharing stories and experiences and culture. And it just felt right to have Donkey Boy and Donkey Mom, two local artists, work on this effort and do just that with support from Bosch e-bike systems. As I mentioned earlier, you know, we've had all kind of efforts and initiatives that have made cycling more accessible, but we want to keep that going. So the mural, it's a celebration of that and a call to action. And we recently completed that, you know, despite some delays and challenges because of the weather and whatnot, we wanted to have it ready uh, for bike month, but it ended up being ready earlier last month or so. But we had a great unveiling, a great ride, or there were councilwomen there, also uh, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, Jay Mack from 97 on the Box, and all kind of other leaders in the community came out to see this mural and just hang out, ride, and also in that uh, the Real the Restaurant 
And I think later on we're going to do like a photo contest just to perpetuate engagement with the mural and whatnot. But I'm really excited about that because, again, it was a celebration and a call to action to get people to just be outside, ride a bike and go further. Well, I will make sure that we have uh, those photos of the murals uh, from Docking Boy and Donkey Mom. Um, they're, they're super fun. And it's it's great to have that uh, that kind of artistic flair and whimsy that goes in it because it just it reinforces what we said earlier that that f word the fun word that's it that's it yeah yeah it's good stuff it was something i'm just i'm still excited about it and still just kind of riding away from it and uh i'm looking forward to you know more that comes from it you know maybe it's another mural maybe it's another ride or something that's people were asking about that like hey when's the next ride and i was like well we'll see maybe we'll do another mural and and do all this again it was just awesome all around. We had a lot of great support from the community. Uh, even Red Bull supported our effort and got behind it to amplify the experience. It was just great. Nice. Nice. That's so, so much fun. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> well, is there anything else that we haven't uh, talked about yet that you want to make sure that we mention? I think we covered it all. I just, uh, I just encourage everyone to, you know, share their experiences. And if they're already out, you know, riding a bike, having fun and just doing it up, you know, bring somebody with you, invite somebody out. If you don't know anyone that's doing it, you know, reach out, reach out to me, someone you see that's doing it and just share those experiences and and help empower someone else with the hope that they can do the same because it's awesome. You know, the the bicycle, whether it's, you know, analog or e-bike or acoustic, as some people say, it's fun and it's great for our health. So get out there. Yeah. And I, and I usually ask if, if anybody has uh, advice for our, uh, our listeners out there, the audience as to, to what to do. And I think you just said it, you just covered it. And yeah. it's part of your identity too, is talking about finding creative ways to be, do storytelling. Definitely. Definitely. And storytelling is a big part of what I like to do because it allows us again to share our experiences, our culture and opportunities. And it's just great for everyone. It's a win for everyone. So I'm all for that. Yeah, that's great stuff. Hey, uh, Doogie, what's the best way for folks to follow along with your work? Oh, wow. I operate on a few channels, social media, Instagram, Facebook, a little bit of Twitter. I have some bits that I put out there. It's it's my name, Doogie Rue. That's D-O-O-G-I-E and R-O-U-X. Also, the Bosch website. Yeah, I'm pretty active on those channels and whatnot. And I'm always... I'm always putting out content and information on other channels from partners to teammates and people who I collaborate with, but social media of my own and also the boss website is, is your best bet. Fantastic. And I'll be sure to have all the links uh, in our show notes and out on the landing page for this episode. So folks, uh, you know, just pop on over there, click through to those links and make sure you, you give Doogie a follow. Hey, well, hey, this has been so amazing, so fascinating. Doogie, thank you so much for joining me on the Active Towns podcast. You're very welcome. Again, I'm grateful to have been here. Thank you all so very much for tuning in to episode number 87 of the Active Towns podcast. I don't know about you, but I'm actually excited to get down to Houston to check out the infrastructure that's on the ground, the engagement activities that Doogie and others are organizing, and ride the bayous on one of those new B-Cycle electric assist bike share bikes. I'm going to wait till it cools off a little bit. I'm not a masochist. 
the lessons coming out of the Houston experience here are clear. If you are planning on sticking around and want to see your community become a safer, more inviting environment, then be the change you want to see. Make your voice heard and be persistent, but keep it respectful, productive, and positive. Trust me on this, being a toxic troll will get you retweets on Twitter, but almost never will it result in positive change. And it's more likely to backfire. And finally, find a way to support and engage in the efforts already underway in your community. If, in the incredibly rare situation, there is literally nothing currently happening in your community, then start by walking in your neighborhood and talking with your neighbors about your dreams for a place that supports active living and active mobility for all ages and abilities. For more information on Doogie's work, some great photos from his initiatives, and access to all his social media links, check out the landing page for this episode at activetowns.org. And one last reminder, if you're enjoying the podcast and appreciate my efforts to profile the inspiring advances happening around the globe to promote a culture of activity, please help me out by donating, spreading the word, and subscribing. Thank you all so very much for your support and for tuning in. That's all for this week's episode. So until next time, this is John signing off by wishing you much activity, health, and happiness. Cheers. <laughs>